Um, but we're going to read now from uh, John uh, chapter 8. I'm just going to use it on my phone so I can't read the slide. Um, and I'm, verses 12 to 20, um, and I'm going to read from the NIV version, if you've got yours with you. Okay. So it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is the nourishment of our lives. Lord, we just pray for Andy this morning as he comes to share more on this chapter. Lord, just have your spirit move through him. We pray all that in your special name. Amen. Andy. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Um, this I Am series, it's a good one, isn't it? Um, as we work our way through some of the times that Jesus uses the words I am to help his listeners and us uh, catch a glimpse of a particular aspect of Jesus, of, of his character or his mission, week by week we're expanding our understanding of who Jesus is that, that little bit more. And when Alan introduced the subject uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were reminded that uh, Jesus' use of the words I am were a clear statement by Jesus that he is God. Not just a prophet, not just a good man, not just a religious figurehead, but Jesus, Son of God. And then last week, Matthew unpacked Jesus' statement. I am the bread of life, pointing to the bread and wine that reminds us of his sacrifice during communion. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to, uh, to those talks, you're going to find them on the, the church's YouTube channel. Uh, they're well worth a listen. And that brings us to this week. Jesus stating to his listeners, I am the light of the world. Now, light is, is one of those universal religious images. Light is good. Darkness is bad. And light's celebrated in many different religious festivals and beliefs. And those of us who perhaps would say that, that we aren't part of any particular religion or belief, 
we'd still acknowledge that light is good. It brings warmth, security, comfort, understanding. When we get a good idea, if we ever get a good idea, we say that a light went on in our heads. When we're walking around our house at night, we switch on the light to try to avoid that painful stepping on Lego moment. And how many of us as children would have said that we were scared of the dark, wanting the light to be switched on to keep the boogie monster away? And how many of us feel nervous, even as grown-ups, walking down a dark street at night? Light is good. Darkness is bad. So when Jesus makes a stark statement that I am the light of the world, effectively saying he is the only true light, the only source of true light for this world, then there's something incredibly profound and important being laid out in front of us. Now, I think I've regressed back to my time as a teacher this morning because I brought along a visual aid with me. Let me show you what is probably the coolest camping torch you're ever likely to see. I gotta say, this is probably the best bit of camping equipment that I've ever bought because it's actually three different lights in one and it doesn't need batteries, but you can just wind it up when it's, oh, I know. <laughs> you just wind it up when it starts to dim. Let me use this camping torch to help us explore three aspects of Jesus being able to call himself the light of the world. Let's start with a spotlight beam on this torch, a light which is great for pointing the way. When you're out camping in the dark at night, trying to get from the tent to the toilet without stepping in any cow pats, then the bright light on the torch does a fantastic job of pointing the way to go. It shines a long distance. It gives you something safe to aim towards. A guiding light in the darkness. Jesus is a light that guides. When Jesus makes his I am the light of the world statement in John chapter 8, he's at the Jewish festival of tabernacles. And this was a yearly festival to remember the Israelites' 40-year journey through the wilderness in their tabernacles or tents from slavery in Egypt to the promised land of Canaan. It was a time, this festival was a time to celebrate and give thanks for the ways in which God provided for their incredible journey with the quail and the manna or the bread that was mentioned last week and how God miraculously guided them through that wilderness. Listen to these verses from Exodus 13. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. 
So to remember this miraculous guidance from God, a lamp lighting ceremony took place in the temple every evening of that festival. And large lamps were set up, and in the light of the lamps there'd be singing and dancing all evening to celebrate and remember God's salvation. And now, in sight of these great lamps, Jesus proclaims himself to be the light of the world. It was God that led his people through the darkness of their journey to the promised land. It is God standing before them in the person of Jesus Christ that would lead his people through the darkness of this earthly life to the riches of eternal life. Now we heard from the reading that Stu just gave to us. The Pharisees were questioning Jesus that night. They didn't know where to find Jesus' father. But standing right in front of them was the brightest possible light shining the way. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus, the light of the world, points the way towards God the Father. That's what he does. That's who he is. A verse you're, you're probably very familiar with is found in Psalm 119. The psalmist writes, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The light of God, revealed through his word, helps us to avoid obstacles, prevents us from stumbling, but most of all, it shows us our path, the way that we need to go. God doesn't want each one of us to, to wander aimlessly through life. He's got a plan and a purpose for each one of us. He wants each one of us to walk towards him. But without Jesus' light to show the way, it's so easy for us to head off in the wrong direction, to make the wrong choices, to be led astray. Going back to that, that pillar of cloud and fire that led the Israelites through the wilderness, for Moses and the Israelites to be guided by that uh, cloud and that fire, then they had to choose to follow. If the pillar went north, then it would be no use for them to head west. Where the pillar of cloud and fire went, there they followed, all the way to the promised land. If we want Jesus' light, to guide us towards eternal life with God, then we too have to choose to follow that light. Our I am verse in John 8 makes it clear. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's not enough for us to just look on the light of Jesus, to gaze upon it, 
to feel that perhaps soft, warm glow of knowing that Jesus is lighting the way. We have to follow. We have to follow him if we really want to end up where Jesus has gone. It's not just a light for our eyes, but it's for our feet. It shows us our path. Are you following Jesus closely today? Am I? Or have we perhaps let ourselves be distracted of his path? Have we taken our eyes off his guiding light and are instead veering off into the darkness? Perhaps this morning is a much-needed reminder for us to lift our eyes again to the light of Jesus. Run to catch back up with him so that we might reconnect with that light of life that he brings to those who follow him, leading his people to eternity with God the Father. So this torch has reminded us that Jesus is a light that guides. Let me, let me quickly wind it up again, and let's take another look at the next type of light in this torch. You know, I've often thought that one of these handles would be so useful on the back of my head and I could like, give it a quick wind-up any time I feel like my energy is lagging. Wouldn't that be a great idea? <laughs> this next light on the torch is the lamp that we use when we're camping to light up the darkness inside the tent. If you've ever been camping, then you'll know that it can get very dark inside a tent, especially when there's no street lights nearby. And who knows where all those spiders and bugs are hiding. But this lantern, this lantern light on the torch, spreads out through the darkness and helps us to see. It drives the darkness away, and it brings light into all those dark corners of the tent, which is probably where the spiders are. Jesus is a light that drives darkness away. When God created the world, we're told in the very first few verses of the Bible that the first day of creation was all about light and darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Right there. On the first day of creation, even before there was such a thing as day and night, God separated the light from the darkness. You can't have both darkness and light in one place. If I take my torch lamp into one corner of my tent, that corner is no longer in darkness. And in the Bible, we're told that the evil things that people do. They're like darkness. 
Each time we lie or fight or steal, all those things that the Bible calls sin, the things that separate us from a perfect, holy God, they're like a darkness inside us that can spoil our lives and the lives of others. But Jesus, the light of the world, came to drive that darkness away and bring light into our lives instead. In John chapter 3, when Jesus is answering Nicodemus's questions about how to receive eternal life, Jesus describes why sometimes we actually don't mind living in darkness. This is the verdict, says Jesus. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. All that dark stuff in our lives that we've hidden away, that perhaps we'd be horrified if our family and friends knew about. We sometimes feel the need to pretend it's not there. It's not part of of who we are. Maybe we, we put on an act so that other people won't know what we're really like. Rather than deal with any darkness or sin in our lives, we just try to cover it up and hope that no one ever, ever finds out. Maybe we even push it so far down in our hearts and lives that we try not to even acknowledge it to ourselves. But that's not what Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want us to stay in darkness and in fear, stunted from growing into the people that God designed us to be. Jesus' own words make it plain in John chapter 12. Sorry, go back a bit. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. No one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Not you. Not me. No one. Jesus wants to shine his light into those dark corners of our lives to uncover those hidden things, open our eyes to what perhaps we've tried to hide away so that we might leave those things at the foot of the cross and be set free from the darkness. Invite Jesus to shine his light into your life. And it's an uncomfortable truth. Jesus will reveal to us our sin and our failings if we ask him to. (laughs) And we might not want to see our lives as God sees us. But ultimately, it's a wonderful gift. It's like a a doctor uncovering a cancer or an illness that, that we didn't know we had. We might have preferred not to know, 
but it allows that illness to be treated. As Jesus' light uncovers the darkness that, that each of us hides away from ourselves and others, it allows us to be healed, to be set free, to make things right with God and with others. In 2 Corinthians 4, we read, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face of Christ. You can't have light and darkness in one place. If God's light is shining in all areas of your life, in all areas of your heart, through Jesus, then darkness has got nowhere to hide. So Jesus is a light that guides and a light that drives darkness away. And the last light on this torch, I don't know if you can see it in the, uh, in the, in the spotlights, is a flashing warning light. When you see a flashing red light, it usually means danger or, or watch out. And if I was walking along a country lane at night, I might switch on this flashing red light and then any car drivers coming along would see the light, would know that I was there. It would warn the driver and help to keep me safe. Jesus, the light of the world, warns us that we are in darkness. When things are, are going okay in our lives, we might not even notice. As Matt said last week, we often find ourselves focusing on the temporary, the here and the now, and not thinking about eternity. But the truth is, when we're not following God's guiding light, then we're wandering aimlessly. Or worse, we're following false lights. In 2 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul warns the church in Corinth about the dangers of false teachers, people pretending to be sent by God, but actually leading their listeners astray. He writes, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan, the fallen angel who longs for people to reject God's love and salvation. He won't often appear like in the, the cartoon drawings of a, a red-faced devil creature with, with pointed horns. No, he masquerades as an angel of light. His voice seductive to our ears. His tempting is measured and appealing. It seems a warm, comforting light which seems to distract and blind us from the light of Jesus. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. During the World War II Blitz, blackouts were enforced in cities across the UK every night because before the invention of sat-nav and GPS, pilots would make use of landmarks and lights to help identify where they were and to, to find their way to their intended targets. So the public were ordered to close their curtains tightly, switch off any outside lights, anything they could do to black out any lights that might have helped bomber pilots identify their location. But more than that, the British government made use of decoy lights set up in fields and on hilltops to deceive the bomber pilots. And the intention was that the lights would, would, would make the pilots believe that they were dropping their bombs onto populated areas when in fact the bombs would be, the planes would be bombing an empty field far away from industrial areas and popularized places. And that's the situation that Jesus came to warn us about. Because when God's light is hidden from our path, perhaps because we're not looking for it or, or we've been distracted by the false lights of life, very quickly we can leave the path that God wants, us to, wants to lead us and be drawn away from him. And there are so many false lights that can lead us away from God instead of towards him. And those false lights can, can often seem bright, appealing, illuminating, drink, drugs, pornography, selfishness, even false religion, all offer a tempting way to try to escape from the darkness of this world. But they are nothing, nothing compared to the light of Jesus. A single candle in a dark room gives off an amazing amount of light for its size. But that same candle flame in the light of the midday sun is almost invisible. Those false lights that, that seem to offer a, a temporary respite to the darkness they fade into insignificance when held up against the true light of heaven. If you think you've been following the wrong lights so far in your life, then thank God that he wants you, he wants to open our eyes to the truth. Perhaps, like the Pharisees in the temple, you're just not sure and you need some help in finding the true light, the true path. Maybe like Nicodemus, you've got questions that need answering. Let me encourage you to ask those questions, to seek out the truth. Perhaps grab a free ride on Thornhill Church road trip to the God Loves You event in London, where the truth of Jesus' light will be shared. Maybe book onto the next Alpha course that the church runs. Arrange to speak 
and pray with Math or Stuart or one of the elders and share your thoughts and questions with them. Whatever you need to do, don't stay lost in the darkness. May God open our eyes fully to see the light of Jesus' warning. Jesus is the true light. No matter what other lights distract us, only Jesus is the light of the world. So Jesus, the true light of the world, he's a light that guides. He's a light that drives darkness away. A light that warns. We've got so much to praise him and give him thanks for. But with all that we've heard this morning, what does it mean to us? If we're already following the light of Jesus, if we're already asking Jesus to shine his light into the darkest corner of our lives, what's left for us to do? Should we just lie back and and bask in his light in the same way we might sunbathe on the beach when our work is done? (laughs) Not at all. Jesus wants us to spread his light to those around us. Because Jesus right now is preparing a place in eternity for all those who follow him. And it's those followers, us, who he's tasked with continuing his mission in this world. His mission of bringing light and life to those who don't yet know him. Not through our own teaching or our own charisma or light, but allowing Jesus' light shine out of us. When the sun goes down at night and there are no clouds in the sky, which admittedly doesn't seem to happen very much in Cardiff at the moment, then often the moon is shining down and bringing light to our land. The moon doesn't have a light source of its own. It doesn't glow in the dark. It simply reflects the light from the sun. So it is with us. When we spent time with Jesus in prayer, in his word, in worship, then we can't help but reflect the light that we've received. (laughs) If you're a similar age to myself and watched as much TV as I used to do, then you might remember the ready break glow. Now, the idea behind the advert was that filling up on ready break would leave you glowing with warmth and light for the rest of the day. Imagine how much that would save you on your energy bills. In Exodus, Moses experienced something of the ready break glow when he went to receive the Ten Commandments from God. Listen to this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. 
Do we glow with Jesus' light after we spend time with him? After we've had a, a quiet time reading our Bibles and praying to our Father, does his light spill out from us to the people that we meet? If we bump into anyone later, will they know that we've been to church this morning to worship and hear from Jesus? <laughs> Hopefully, our faces won't be quite as radiant as Moses, where, where the people were afraid to come near him. But we do pray that Jesus' light would be reflected in our faces and our actions and our words so that we draw people nearer to him. Let me finish with Jesus' words to his followers. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Thornhill Church, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me invite Graham and the team to join me again to lead us in our closing songs this morning. And while they get ready, should we pray? Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are the light of the world. A light that points the way to your Father in heaven. A light that drives the darkness in our lives and hearts away. A light that gives us the warning that we need to see. That without you, we are living in darkness. Lord, let your light shine on your church, on your people, we pray. Help us not to be led astray. Help us not to stumble around in the darkness, but draw us into your radiant, glorious, life-giving light. And as we spend time this week worshipping you, learning from you, talking to you, may our own lives reflect your light to the people that we meet. May we truly know what it is to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Thank you, Jesus, light of the world. Amen.